Welcome to episode 23 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. And in this episode, I interview Bethany Tusky on classical dressage, liberty, and self-development. Bethany's love of horses began at an early age. She now has over 15 years experience working with horses and has been instructing and training for over 10 years. Bethany has dedicated her life to learning the art of horsemanship from master horse trainers. She has studied classical dressage, liberty work, work in hand and long reining and has recently taken up the challenge of learning vaulting. Bethany has taken what she has learned from other trainers as well as the horses and combined it with her Christian faith to create a unique style of training based on love for the horse, the desire to help her horses to become better versions of themselves and the desire to build partnerships with her horses based on mutual respect and trust. In addition to dressage work, Bethany is able to take her partnership with her horses to a whole new level by working with them at Liberty, where there is nothing connecting her to the horse, and the horse has the freedom to do as he wants. Working with horses at Liberty creates a relationship with your horse that will transcend anything you have experienced before. Bethany enjoys performing with her Andalusians at various shows and exhibitions. It is her goal to share her unique training style and show people how they too can take their relationship with their horse to a whole new level. In this episode, we discuss Bethany's start with horses from training wild mustangs to practicing classical dressage. We talk about her relationship-focused training philosophy with horses combining groundwork, liberty and classical dressage. We talk about how a difficult horse led to her reflecting and diving deep into self-development. We speak about Bethany's holistic approach of body, mind, and spirit to help horses be happy. The value of investing in your learning, who inspires her and what she is currently learning, including her recommended horse books. We talk about the secret of Bethany's success so far with horses and the one message she would like all horse people to know, plus so much more. I know you're going to love this episode. Bethany is a heart-centered and open-minded horse trainer. We share a love of self-development and know how important this is in horses and in life. I know you're going to enjoy this, so let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a happy, light and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritising partnership with your horse. Want to find out my horse training philosophy? Access the free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Welcome, Bethany, to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and looking forward to chatting with you. Me too. Let's get started. So can you tell us about your horsemanship journey to date, when you got into horses, and what has led to where you are today? Yeah, so um, I guess to go back to the beginning, um, I was always an animal lover as a kid, um, but I grew up in the uh, suburbs of Chicago, which uh, is a pretty metropolitan area um, here in the States. Um, So there really weren't a lot of horses um, nearby. Um, So I didn't get exposed to it too much early on. Um, But when I was 14, my mom found a barn that I was able to start taking some lessons at. And um, I was able to volunteer there too. Um, And 
right from the beginning, I was totally hooked and in love. And um, I was definitely one of those uh, barn brats who spent as much time as possible at the stable, um, learning as much as I could and just being around the horses as much as I could. Um, and I was really lucky. Um, it was a great um, experience and gave me a great start with the horses. Um, it was really a horsemanship focused um, lesson program. So, um, you know, not just the riding, but I learned a lot about horse care and groundwork and training um, and, you know, all of that other stuff that goes along with it. So it was really a great, great start for me. Um, and I got to work with a lot of different horses being in a busy, you know, lesson barn. Um, there was a wide variety of different breeds and types of horses and temperaments. And um, so I got a lot of great exposure um, to horses that way. Um, and actually I was able to work with um, and help train some Mustangs, um, which are our wild horses here. Um, so that was a really cool experience too, um, to get to see the horses off the range and um, kind of watch and even help a little bit with the, the training of them um, until they were, would work their way into the lesson program. Um, so yeah, that gave me a really great start into, um, horses and everything. Um, and then from there, um, it was just, I just kind of learned like basically English type riding there, um, centered riding kind of thing. Um, I kind of always had dressage as an interest in the back of my mind. Um, I was just really drawn to kind of the, art form of it and the beauty of it and um, the connection that I saw between the horse and the rider um, in the dressage that I had seen. Um, but again, in the area that I was, there wasn't a whole lot of horses. Um, so I didn't really have an opportunity to get too involved in it. Um, but then um, I think it, it was like right after high school, um, I was invited by a friend to attend a uh, dressage clinic um, at a barn that was about an hour away from us. Um, and we walked into the barn and the first thing that I saw um, was the clinician riding a beautiful buckskin Lusitano performing a PF. And um, I knew that's what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> I was hooked. Um, so I ended up actually being able to start off as a working student at that barn um, with the classical dressage instructor there um, and worked with her and learned from her um, and just got really immersed in classical dressage, um, everything from the basics with young horses all the way up to um, Grand Prix and high school dressage. Um, they kind of had a little bit of everything there. Um, and um, I also got exposed to the Iberian horses there. So the, the uh, Lusitanos and the Andalusians. And that's when I fell in love with the breed. Um, I just love their uh, personalities and their temperament. And um, yeah, just kind of fell in love with them there. Um, while I was there, I was also, that was kind of my introduction to Liberty work as well. Um, and kind of my first experiences with that. And again, I was really drawn to um, kind of the art form of it um, and 
just that connection between the horse and the human and what could be achieved at Liberty. Um, so I definitely got interested in that as well. Um, and what else? I was also, while I was there, kind of got my first exposure to um, more like theatrical type performances. Um, so um, I'm sure you've heard of Kovalia. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually got to see them perform um, while they were in Chicago, and that was amazing and inspiring. And um, the barn that I was at also did some kind of performances of their own, obviously on a much smaller scale than Kavalia, but um, we did kind of some musical type performances and, um, you know, put on costumes and rode to music. And um, for me, that's kind of really what the dressage is all about, is just kind of the art and the beauty of it. And that's what's really, um, kind of always drawn me to it. Um, and Cavalia was such a huge inspiration to me to see what could be done with the horses, um, both um, the, the dressage and the Liberty. Um, and yeah, so that kind of all um, came at me while I was working at that barn there and kind of um, set me on the path um, you know, that, that has taken me to where I am today. Um, so I was there for uh, several years, um, ended up um, teaching lessons and training horses and kind of working as an assistant trainer. Um, and that was awesome. Um, and then about, let's see, I think it's been about eight years. Um, my wife and I decided to get out on our own and started our own business. And, um, We've just kind of grown from there, um, you know, just learning more about the dressage, the liberty, and kind of um, creating my own, um, you know, philosophy and system of training, too, from what I've learned from um, a lot of different experiences along the way. So, yeah, so now I'm uh, teaching and training and do clinics and yeah, I just love um, love helping people with their horses and um, helping people um, develop better partnerships and relationships with their horse. Because for me, that's the most important thing. Everything else is just, you know, icing on the cake. But it all all comes from that partnership. Because you can't really have that the true beauty in the dressage or the liberty if you don't have that relationship first. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I think it's really cool how you started off your journey in like a horsemanship focused barn because I feel like most people it's the opposite. Certainly for me, I learned riding and um, more skills around, you know, equestrian disciplines first before I discovered horsemanship. So that's pretty cool. Um, and yes, I'm also, I was also very inspired by Cavalia and we actually had a trainer that was in Cavalia that was performing in the shows on the podcast. So that was Juliet. So that was incredible to speak to her about that experience. Um, and you started to touch on your philosophy um, when it comes to horse training. So could you tell us how you would summarize your training approach or your philosophy with horses? Yeah, definitely. Um, and just to go back to your other comments, um, too, about 
starting with the natural horsemanship, it was kind of interesting because I did start with kind of that more horsemanship. And then um, when I moved to the dressage barn, I did get away from it a little bit and kind of got really focused on the dressage. And I think that was okay for where I was at, um, you know, at that time. Um, but then I meant, I did mention, um, you know, how I've kind of developed my own system and it's kind of meshing all of that together, you know, the horsemanship. That the liberty, um, you know, just putting it all together. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of my, um, you know, my philosophy and my approach. Um, again, very much partnership based. Um, like I said, that's, that's priority over everything. Um, and then, um, you know, we take kind of a very holistic approach to working with our horses too. So we want to make sure that they're comfortable um, and happy in um, their body. So they're feeling good physically um, they're in their mind. Um, so they're not stressed or, um, you know, they're, they understand what we're doing. Um, you know, there's no confusion or things like that. Um, and, you know, just kind of looking at everything that's involved in the horses, um, you know, rather than focusing on one thing in particular. So I do groundwork, I do liberty, um, I do dressage in hand, dressage in the saddle, and it all has different unique benefits. So, yeah. Absolutely. What a beautiful combination of different things going on there. And yeah. I think they all complement each other. I, I feel like we're a little bit similar in that I do a little bit of groundwork, a bit of liberty, a bit of dressage, and it all should complement each other, especially when you prioritize the partnership. So speaking of your speaking of your horse training and your life, like I know your podcast certainly has a self-development theme to it. Can you tell us if you have a mantra that you like to live by? Yes. Um, so I guess my mantra is keep moving forward. Um, and it comes from a Walt Disney quote, so I can't take full credit from it. For okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically, like, you know, if things are hard or not feeling good, just keep going, keep moving forward, keep trying new things. Um, you know, we're all going to run into struggles and hardships along the way. Um, we're all going to mess up. Um, we're all going to fail at things. Um, I certainly have in my journey, um, but you just keep moving forward and things will get better and you'll learn and you'll grow. Um, and then on the other hand, too, when things are going well, you still want to keep moving forward. So it's easy to kind of get complacent when things are are going right. And um, something that's really important to me is constant development and growth and learning. Um, so even when things are going well, you wanna still keep moving forward, keep learning, um, keep growing, keep trying to better yourself um, and learn more. I absolutely love that. And I am addicted to growing and learning and doing as much as I can to better myself as a horsewoman. But what you were saying before when, um, you know, sometimes people or you can be worried about like making mistakes or doing the wrong thing. I find so many people feel that way. And yeah. in a way, we really shouldn't be afraid of making those mistakes because it's in those mistakes that we actually, if we keep going, keep moving forwards, we learn something and we grow. And then whenever that problem comes up in the future, we've got tools and um, ideas around how to handle that situation. And I call that a horsemanship breakthrough. So can you tell us what has been your biggest horsemanship or horse training breakthrough to date? 
Yeah, definitely. So um, my horse, Illustre, um, he came to me while I was working at the, the uh, dressage barn. Um, and he was actually given to me. Um, he was a 17-year-old Andalusian gelding, 17 at the time. Um, and when he was given to me, I was told that he was dangerous and unrideable. And that's why he was coming to me. Um, and he was. Um, uh, when I would ride him, he would um, bolt. He would uh, full-on leap through the air like Capriol style. Um, so we had some exciting times. Um, and basically, he's a very sensitive horse, and he is not a horse that you can force to do anything. And um, he had gone through some training Um you know, I don't know exactly what happened to him. So I'm just making, um, you know, my best guess here a little bit, but um, he had kind of been uh, forced into things or maybe ridden a little too strongly or too heavy handedly um, and became very defensive over that. Um, so anytime you would try and get him to do something and he felt uncomfortable with it, he would just blow. Um, so um, he was quite a challenge for me. Um, and he's actually the one that really kind of got me into the Liberty work too, um, because um, I realized that I needed to go back kind of to the beginning and really develop that partnership with him. Um, and that was much better done on the ground um, where he had a lot more freedom. Um, you know, and he didn't feel as, um, you know, forced into things or confined or pressured. Um, you know, he's a horse where if he feels pressured, he doesn't react very well. Um, so I had to really take that pressure off of him. Um, so I did a lot of liberty work with him um, and that really helped our relationship. Um, and then he's also the horse that kind of um, made me realize how important my own self-development was and my own energy was um, in working with horses because he's also very sensitive um, to my emotions and my moods. And um, I was dealing with some stuff at the time um, that he was picking up on um, and um, you know, so that was definitely hindering our relationship and he kind of, uh, forced me to confront some of my own issues and helped me work through things too. So he was, he was actually there for me and helped me work through things too. Um, so he really kind of started me on the path of self-development as well and just, um, pay more attention to my own energy and my own emotions and what I'm bringing to the table when I'm working with my horse. Um, so yeah, it was quite, it was quite a journey. And um, there's a, a quote by the horse trainer, Josh Nickel, and it goes, um, riding powerful horses is like riding dragons. You never really have control, but you get a say if you are kind. Um, so that quote kind of sums up our relationship. Um, you know, he's a super powerful horse and I never really could control him. Um, but through developing the relationship with him, um, I was able to start to get a say in what we did together. 
Um, so yeah, we did a lot of Liberty and then we were able to get back to riding and I just slowly kind of, um, you know, brought him along and, um, it was kind of a learning experience for me too, um, because I like to have control and that's something that I do struggle with a little bit. Um, so I had to really learn how to let go and just trust my horse and trust myself. Um, and so um, it was a long journey, um, but now um, we've gone from uh, when when he came to me, he was being ridden in a double bridle. And um, not that I have anything against double bridles or bits at all or anything, but just for him, because it had been such a negative experience for him, um, I actually ended up moving him into a snaffle bridle and then now I actually ride him completely bitless and he's much happier with that um and again I'm not against bits but for him in particular I'm um, just kind of taking away those things that were meant to control him um and were used to control him that's how they had been used in his case um has really helped him and I've actually even ridden him bridleless a little bit, which has been amazing and terrifying at the same time, um, you know, to think about like where we've come from um, and what he used to do and where we are now. Um, it's been a pretty, pretty amazing journey, journey. So yeah, yeah, he really, he really transformed the way that I work with horses. That's incredible. And it sounds like developing the relationship was one of the key things that helped you be able to train this horse. So can you tell our listeners what were the key things you physically did to help build that relationship? Yeah, I mean, I guess to start with, it was just um, working at Liberty and then kind of taking the pressure off was really mm -hmm. huge for both him and for me. Um, I talked about how I had some areas that I needed to work on and I put a lot of pressure on myself too. Um, you know, I was kind of a young upcoming trainer and really wanted to prove myself and wanted to get everything right. And um, so I had to take some of the pressure off myself too. And um, we spent a lot of time like literally just doing nothing, like just standing in the arena or maybe just walking around together or, um, you know, things like that. And that really was huge. Um, that was what kind of started us on the right track. Um, and then from there, just really like a lot of time and patience and, um, again, really keeping the pressure off. So just staying where he was comfortable, um, so as I started riding him, just, um, you know, not pressuring him to do anything, but just, um, you know, asking and if he was able to do it, then great. And if he wasn't, then that's fine too. Um, so, you know, just kind of letting him guide the direction that we went. Yeah. So it sounds like you spent a lot of undemanding time with him. You took the pressure yeah. off. So it felt like he wasn't forced to do anything and yeah, yeah just right. just took the time and the patience that really every horse deserves in training. Yeah. 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 So yeah. what do you think makes a happy horse? Um, so I actually have an entire hour long video on that in my uh, virtual classroom, but I'll try and sum it up for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot um, yeah. to it. But, um, basically, 
I kind of mentioned before um, how we look at like the horse's um, body, mind, and spirit. Um, and that's kind of what I look at to determine happiness. So for their body, um, you know, of course, we want to make sure that their physical needs are met. They're getting, you know, adequate food and forage um, and turnout time. And, um, you know, they're not in pain at all. And pain can come from a lot of different places um, that people often don't really think about. So things like saddle fit and bridle fit and bit fit and, um, you know, physical, physical dif discomforts, whether it's, um, you know, part of the body being out of whack or ulcers, or, I mean, there's a million things. Um, it can be, it can be quite a challenge sometimes to determine what's going on, but, um, you know, we do our best to make sure that our horses are feeling good physically. Um, and also that the work that we're doing for doing with them is going to make them feel better physically. So the purpose of dressage is really to help the horse to feel better in his body. It's kind of like, I like to think of it as like yoga for horses. Um, so, um, you know, th through the work that he's doing, he should be feeling better in his body. Um, now, of course, there's gonna be some strength training and that can be challenging sometimes, but we wanna make sure that we're not pushing the horse to the point where um, he's physically uncomfortable. Um, in the work that he's doing. Um, so that's kind of the body um, aspect of it. Um, and then to look at his mind, um, we want to make sure that he's um, not in fear, of course, um, because a horse in fear, of course, isn't going to be happy. Um, so we want to make sure that he's comfortable um, in the at atmosphere that he's living in. He's comfortable working with people. Um, he's getting the social socialization that he needs, um, so that he's kind of having his, his needs fulfilled that way, um, with other horses. Um, and then in the work that he's doing, we want to make sure that he's feeling comfortable with that. So he's not feeling, um, confusion or, um, um, I guess nervousness or anything like that. Confusion is a big one. Um, a lot of times the reason horses don't do something when we ask them to is because they just don't understand. Um, so, um, you know, we want to try and break things down as much as possible make it easy for him to learn and make him feel good about learning. Um, you know, so that's, it's a rewarding process for him and actually makes him feel better rather than feeling frustrated, um, or like he just doesn't know what's going on and he's just trying to do the best he can, but he really has no idea. Um, so that's kind of what we look at with the mind. And then for the spirit, this is just kind of the overarching, like, um, you know, is he in a good, happy environment um, or is he surrounded by like a lot of negative energy? Um, does he have good relationships um, with other horses and with people? Um, and, you know, kind of how, how is your approach and your outlook when you're working with him? Like, is it happy and pleasant and fun and enjoyable? Or is it more like a negative experience that's, um, you know, going to kind of have a negative effect on him? Um, so those are kind of all the things that I try to look at and do my best to, um, you know, make sure that I'm uh, making 
things possible for my horses to be as happy as possible. I'm sure if they could talk to me, they would tell me to change things, but I do my best. <laughs> I love your answer to that. A lot of people have touched on the friends, freedom, forage, mm-hmm. that's kind of that kind of thing. But I love your framework yeah. of thinking about body, mind and spirit. It's a very holistic approach. I love that. So mm-hmm. what is something you believe is true that a lot of horse people disagree with? Um, So for this, I guess I would just say like things aren't always black and white and try to be open minded and open to other um, ideas or philosophies or training styles. Um, I feel like a lot of times people do things just because that's the way they've always done it or that's what someone told them to do or um, you know it worked for one horse um, but it might not necessarily work for another horse Um, and people can become very polarized in their beliefs Um, so you know if you pick any hot topic issue in the horse world you know you've got people on both ends of the spectrum Um, But I usually find that the answer is kind of somewhere in the middle and it really depends on the horse. Um, So you should really look at what's best for your horse. And, um, you know, I try to pretty much won't say never or always when it comes to horses because they're all so different. And, um, you know, I've, I've done different things for different horses and you really do have to be adjustable and open-minded and willing to try different things. Absolutely. And it took me a long time to feel okay with believing that there is no one right way to do things with horses and just to be comfortable with staying open-minded and that, you know, everyone has something to offer and can contribute their little piece into the the horse world and there really is no one way and we do need to adapt to the horse and probably the the best answer you can give any horse question would be like you said it depends (laughs) Yeah. yeah exactly and that's kind of been um a big part of my journey in developing my own um, philosophy and system with the horses is kind of pulling things together from all these different training styles and kind of creating what works best. Um, and even with that, it changes, um, you know, for each horse. So yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, <laughs> always <Absolutely>. learning. <laughs> That's it. The journey never ends. Yeah. And on another note, what horse-related purchase has most positively impacted your life in the last 12 months? Um, so I'm not really a huge spender. Um, I did get a new Cavasan recently, so that's been really helpful for my in-hand work. Um, but for me, I really say the best thing that I ever um, put my money towards is um, furthering my education. Um So I try to attend clinics, I take lessons, um, just that's where I really want to put the majority of of my focus. Absolutely. And that sort of investment, not only does it help you now, but it's going to help you with every horse you come across in the future. So it's kind of like the gift that keeps on giving in a way. So I'm the same. I just, I love investing in my own learning and online courses and in-person lessons and clinics. And it's just so addictive. (laughs) Absolutely. And speaking of learning from other people, if you could have dinner with any three horse people dead or alive, who would it be and why? And what would you ask them? (laughs) Okay. There's so many people. (laughs) Like I feel like I could have dinner for a year. Like every night. (laughs) Um, 
reply to, to try and answer your question. Um, a few of, uh, I guess, the uh, top picks. Um, um, I've got, uh, and I'm going to butcher the names with my horrible American accent, um, but uh, Anya Baran, um, I love her beautiful classical. She's just so soft and beautiful and lovely. And um, yeah, I love her, her writing. Um, Alizé Fremont. Um, yeah, with the, the uh, bridalist riding that she does, um, so inspiring. I would love to be able to do that. Um, so I'd love to pick her brain on, on how she achieved that. Um, Manolo Mendez, another uh, dressage instructor, trainer. Um, and again, he's just got such a soft, um, beautiful um, approach to working with horses. Um, yeah, very inspiring. And then I know you said three, but I have one more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the last one would be um, Josh Nickel, um, who I mentioned in the quote before. Um, he's actually more of a Western trainer, but he talks a lot about um, kind of the human side of things. And so I really think that's cool. Um, you know, he talks a lot about using your energy and your emotions and all of that. Uh, kind of stuff. And I would love to hear the story behind the dragon's quote too. Um, Cause I'm sure there's a story there. <laughs> there's a horse behind that probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what are you currently studying? Um, so recently I've really been kind of diving more into the biomechanics and um, just really going deep into um the hows and whys of the dressage and um, from an anatomical perspective and a biomechanical perspective and um, why it works the way that it does and um, how everything works together. Um, so yeah, that's kind of been my, my study lately is just really going deeper into everything. Nice, and where are you learning that? Are you reading books or have you enrolled in a course? Tell us more. Yeah, um, so I recently attended a clinic with uh, Jillian Crimebring, which um, I know she, you probably won't be able to attend a clinic in the States, but she does have some online programs. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. I believe she is going to be um, offering her course online at some point as well. Um, I would highly, 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 highly recommend it. Um, um, as a way to just understand the biomechanics of correct movement. Um, so, um, yeah, I took a clinic with her, um, and I've taken some, uh, virtual lessons with her too. So that's been really fun. Um, and then, um, just, uh, reading stuff online and, um, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I think the horse world is catching up with the technology side of things in the yeah. fact that we can have online lessons now and there's online courses. There's just so many ways to learn from people all over the world. Do you have any favourite horse books, podcasts or other online resources that you'd recommend? Yeah, again, there's like so many and I could go on and on about books, but um, <laughs> The couple that I recommend the most to kind of all horse people, no matter what you're doing with a horse, is um, Horse Brain, Human Brain. Um, and shoot, I forget the author of that one um, off the top of my head, but um, it's called Horse Brain, Human Brain. And it talks about um, 
things like how the horse's brain works and just really gives you a look at things from the horse's perspective, which is really interesting and really important because a lot of times um, we approach training from a human perspective and our horses don't think like humans and they don't react like humans and they don't learn like humans. Um, so it's really important to understand things from the horse's perspective. Um, so that's one I really recommend to like anyone who works with a horse. Um, and then also there's a book called Sacred Spaces by um, Dr. Susan Fay. And um, she talks a lot about um, visualization and energy and emotions and deepening your connection with your horse through things like that. Um, so that's really good and really interesting too. Um, and then kind of more towards the self-development side of things. Um, I'm a really big fan of, uh, Jane Pike from the Confident Rider. I love her, uh, podcast really good, especially if you deal with any kind of anxiety or nervousness or, um, anything like that, which I think probably a lot of us have. I know I have, um, a lot of us have at some point in time. Um, so her stuff's really good. And then I'm currently listening to Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us, and it's fantastic. Um, challenging, <laughs> but fantastic, because <laughs> it really kind of forces you to look at some of your stuff. And um, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Very cool. And, and what about the resources that you offer if people are listening and they're like, oh, Bethany sounds awesome. I want to learn from her. How can they do that? Yeah. Um, so I do do um, in-person lessons and training and clinics, um, but then I do also have um, my virtual classroom, um, which is basically a library of videos on a wider range of topics, um, everything from uh, groundwork, um, liberty, dressage in hand, dressage under saddle. Um, and then there's a lot of um, talking about, um, again, the self-development and how we're approaching our horses and how we, we ourselves can be better for our horses. Um, because I, you know, I always say um, a partnership is only as strong as its weakest link. So we spend Ooh, a lot <laughs> we spend a lot of time working on our horses but we need to spend just as much time working on us um, so that we're not that weakest link. Um, I love that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> so there's a lot of that in there too. And, um, you know, just like, I really try and get people to think about things again from their horse's perspective and maybe from a different perspective than, than they've thought of things before. Um, so yeah, I do have, I have that. And then I do also have a book that I wrote. Um, it's called uh, God's Heart Through a Horse's Eyes. And it just, um, it's kind of a storytelling book, um, talks a lot about like my experiences and what I've learned from horses and how they've um, taken me along on my spiritual journey as well. Um, yeah, I do have that too. Yeah. <laughs> Great, I'll have to check it out. And can you tell us, what is your ultimate goal with horses? I always like to hear what people are really reaching for. So can you tell us? Yeah. Um, so I guess short term, just to keep improving things. Um, I'd love to do more bridalist riding. Um, I would love to 
um, do more Liberty. Um, I've started working multiple horses together at Liberty and that's been wow. a fun challenge. So yeah. So, uh, doing more of that, um, more long-term, I would love to have my own facility at some point. And, um, I really so love the equestrian theater. So, um, my ultimate goal would be able to, to, um, hold performances, um, of that type um, with the dressage and the Liberty and even combining um, acrobats and um, dancers and that kind of thing, um, similar to a Cavalia style thing, but on a much smaller scale. <laughs> I don't want to travel the world. Yeah, <laughs> but, fair enough, very cool. Yeah. And I read that you're, you've also recently dived into vaulting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a fun challenge. And that's one of those things where, um, you know, I always just like to try new things and, um, it was just something that always looked really cool to me. I'm not very good at it. Um, <laughs> but I'd imagine it would be so difficult. It's, it's hard. <laughs> um, but it's been a lot of fun and, um, it's really kind of made me think of things like giving me a better understanding for my beginner students. Yeah. Um, I'm going through the process of learning um, the vaulting and a lot of the things that I need to work on, like breathing and staying centered and things like that are all things that I, I tell my beginner students. So it's kind of given me a better perspective for what they're going through. Because um, it can be easy to forget what it's like to be a beginner. Absolutely. Yeah, that would surely give you a bit of empathy towards your students going through that same or a similar learning process because it, it can feel daunting and like you don't know anything and like you're clumsy and just being a beginner all over again. So exactly. yeah, that would surely help. Um, well, I guess going from being completely new at something to being a master at it or working towards being a master at it surely there are some things that you or some quality skills that you've developed along the way that has led to this success that you've had with horses what do you think has been the secret to your success um I think just listening to my horse first of all I think that's um the most important thing um and just doing what my horse needs and then also again going back to the self-development I think it's really so important and um there's another quote by uh the trainer Dominique Barbier and um I can't remember the whole quote off the top of my head but basically it's the horse is your mirror um and it's your reflection um that you see through him or some something like that um so, you know, we don't think about how much we really affect our horses, um, but we have a huge effect on our horses. And um, it's really important to kind of look at ourselves um, and see see what needs to be worked on. Um, so, yeah, those, those two things, I think, have been kind of the most pivotal in um, helping me get to where I am now. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we all know that during your journey, you're going to have failures. What has been your biggest failure and how did this failure actually set you up for later success? <laughs> yeah. So I guess that would be going back to um, the early days with Illustre um, when I was first trying to ride him and work through his issues. And um, 
again, I was kind of, you know, that young ambitious trainer. I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to prove that I could train this horse and, um, nothing that I tried was working and, um, it was getting worse and, um, <laughs> you know, it, it just wasn't working and I really felt like a failure. And, um, that's, that was one of my issues that I had to deal with, um, is that, um, you know, being okay with failing, um, and learning from it, um, and just taking the pressure off of myself. Um, I really, really put a lot of, lot of pressure on myself, um, to get everything right. Um, definitely. Um, and, um, so yeah, he really forced me to kind of look at that and deal with that. And, um, you know, it's really, set me on the path to where I am today. So um, as hard as it was at the time, it's, it was definitely worth it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think when you're going through a failure yourself, you feel so bad about yourself and you're thinking negative thoughts, but in the future, looking back, you go, okay, well, I actually needed to go through that for a reason. I I needed to have that failure. And in a way it wasn't really a failure because I learned something. So you know, and that ties back into the self-development piece. It is all interconnected. Yes, yes, it definitely is. So before we wrap up, can you tell us what is the one message you would like our listeners to know or hear from you in today's interview? <laughs> um, so it's good. It's kind of cliche, but basically just uh, love your horse, love yourself and love each other. Love I feel that. like love, love can fix so many things. That's beautiful. That's another <laughs> mantra you could have. <laughs> and so tell us where our listeners can find out more about you. Yeah, so um, I'm on uh, social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, if you just search for Tusky Dressage, um, you can find me there. And then my website is tuskydressage.com. Um, I've got my blog on there. Um, you can learn more about me and then there's, um, information about signing up for my virtual classroom if you're interested in that. Um, so that's all on my website. Um, and then if you're looking for my book, you can find that on Amazon or Amazon Kindle. There's also a link on my website. Um, but if you just search God's heart through a horse's eyes on Amazon, it should pop up. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great speaking with you. I feel like we share a lot of the same values when it comes to horsemanship and self-development. So thanks again for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was wonderful being here. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions from today's show, suggestions for future episodes, or just want to reach out and say hi, I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. Remember to also register for my free connection and communication mini course at AmaliaDempsey.com.